A reading of the 103rd Psalm. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and do not forget all His benefits. Who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good as long as you live, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works vindication and justice for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always accuse, nor will He keep His anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is His steadfast love toward those who fear Him. So far as the east is from the west, so far He removes our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion for his children, so the Lord has compassion for those who fear Him. For He knows how we are made, He remembers that we are dust. As for mortals, their days are like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear Him, and His righteousness to children's children. To those who keep His covenant and remember to do His commandments. The Lord has established His throne in the heavens. And His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you His angels. You mighty ones who do His bidding, obedient to His spoken word. Bless the Lord, all His hosts. His ministers that do His will. Bless the Lord, all His works. In all places of His dominion, bless the Lord, O my soul. The Word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. We present our gifts to the Lord. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke, the 17th chapter, beginning with the first verse. Jesus said to His disciples, Occasions for stumbling are bound to come, but woe to anyone by whom they come. It would be better for you if a millstone were hung around your neck and you were thrown into the sea than for you to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If another disciple sins, you must rebuke the offender. And if there is repentance, you must forgive. And if the same person sins against you seven times a day, 
and turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. The Lord replied, if you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea and it would obey you. Who among you would say to your slave who has just come in from plowing or tending sheep in the field, come here at once and take your place at the table? Would you not rather say to him, prepare supper for me, put on your apron and serve me while I eat and drink? Later you may eat and drink. Do you thank the slave for doing what was commanded? So you also... When you have done all that you were ordered to do, say, we are worthless slaves. We have done only what we ought to have done. The word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I got a question for you. Have any of you ever said to God in your prayers, in a reaction, in a weak moment, or just out of the blue. Lord, if I only had more faith. Have you ever thought that? Well, the Lord knows I have. <laughs> I have thought to myself, I could quit saying that word if I had more faith, or I've thought to myself, I could quit thinking that if I had more faith. And you know, I think that is a reasonable expectation of ourselves. After all, I could have been a better basketball player if I had been taller. Oh, but wait, I can't make myself taller, can I? Hmm. Likewise, believe it or not, I can't make myself have more faith. <laughs> I can't make myself be who Jesus wants me to be. If I could make myself be Jesus, be who Jesus wants me to be, I wouldn't need Jesus, would I? If I could make myself be holy as holy can be, I wouldn't need the grace of God. If I could make myself eligible for eternal life, I wouldn't need someone to save me from sin and death, would I? So maybe the hand is the same with that request, Lord, if I only had more faith. Maybe faith isn't something we can quantify at all. Maybe faith just is. After all, the Bible doesn't tell me how to measure faith. It doesn't tell me anything about gradations of faith. It doesn't say anything about that. It just says that faith is something given to us. For by grace you are saved through faith. And that is a gift. Because y'all would boast about it. I know David would. Oh, I got more faith than you. Surely I'm going to have a little bit better seat at the worship service. The eternal one, y'all know what I'm talking about? 
No? We're all going to worship for all eternity, new heaven, new creation. A lot of people don't like that because they don't like worship. They want life to be all about them. Are y'all aware of this? This human trait? And some people want heaven to be all about them, like doing what they do on earth when we're in the new creation, like everything will just be a mirror image of here. It'll just be a little bit better, a little bit smoother. You won't have to deal with that annoying neighbor you don't like. But that's not what God seems to have in mind at all. What God seems to have in mind at all is our our eternal enjoyment of God with song and laughter and love and hope and joy. But some people don't want that. They really just want, you know, another world that looks like this one where they do the same hobbies and do the same stuff. Somebody asked me one time, hey Dave, do you think we'll get the fish in heaven? I said, I hope not. Because fishing distracts me from the Lord enough now. But secretly, I hope we do. (laughs) (laughs) Secretly, I hope we do. I took a statistics class when I was at Clemson, and the only thing I remember is that if I'm going to make up a statistic, I need to do some polling first. Are you all aware of that? They're calling your house right now. The only thing that calls the Parsonage phone is that robot that wants to poll me about the president or somebody who's senator, and I'm always just click, 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 and wishing they would stop. But if I want to make some statement about a certain percentage of people do a certain thing, I have to do a poll. And not only do I have to do a poll, if I want that poll to be honest, I have to have a really good sampling of people. That's all I remember from statistics. I didn't have time to do that. You know what I mean? Didn't have time to call 2,000 people and ask them a question. And so since I didn't have time to do that, I'm going to do what political statisticians do and I'm going to make something up. (laughs) And what I'm going to tell you, I'm going to temper by using a lower percentage so I don't make y'all mad at me. Is that fair? But did you know that 58% of Christians are more interested in going to heaven when they die than being a disciple now. That sounds oddly true, doesn't it? But if I said 85%, somebody would get mad because they say, he's talking about me. (laughs) So we're not going to do that. But you might say, David, how can you be so sure of this? How can you be so sure that 58% of Christians are more interested in what happens to us after we die than the life that Jesus can give us now? How can you say that? Well, I do have a sampling of sorts to go by. In my 17 and some odd years of doing this now, is that right? Maybe 18. Who knows? Terry knows. I've done a lot of funerals. And I've enjoyed that. And I've been fascinated by the things that people have said to me about their loved ones especially when I met with families and sat with them and asked them questions so that when we do the eulogy, we can sound like we know the person. And I've listened to what people have said about their loved one, this 
this mother who cared for them, a father, a friend. And do you know, man, I have heard a lot of people say, I, I, I'm going to pick on Terry again. I know where Terry is. I've heard that a thousand times, I bet, at 80 funerals. I know where Terry is today. Ain't no doubt about Terry. Terry was a good man, and he is. That's our DS. Do y'all know that? He showed up for worship. He getting picked on. I've heard people say, I know where she is. I've heard people say, she was such a good person. I'm not talking about Terry now. Giving him a break. She was such a good person, David. I just know, I just know where she is. Do you know not once have I ever heard a human being say about another human being, she was a true disciple of Jesus Christ. Never. Let that sink in for a minute. Well, I can't talk for you. I'm up here. <laughs> Never. I've heard people say that she loved Jesus. I've heard people say she loved her church. I've heard people say she was committed to her church. Listen, you can be too committed to the church and not give a rip about Jesus. I've known them people. Never have I heard somebody say about another person, she was a real disciple. Ooh, that scares me a little bit for the church. Now, why am I saying that? Jesus has been giving some instructions to us about what it looks like to be a disciple. And to be honest with you, they're scary. They tell us not to put our trust in wealth because it's an idol. It tells us not to pursue wealth even though we know that wealth can be a source of security for us. He's told us now to forgive people who have sinned against us. Does that sound easy to you? No. It's not easy for me. It was certainly harder when I was not committed to Christ, but even now there are times when people say something to me and it lingers in my heart for a week. Even if they say they're sorry. And, you know, I'm just like y'all. I can be in a discussion with somebody and they criticize me and I'll remind them of what they did 12 years ago. That's not forgiveness. So right after telling us all these other hard things, he's going to drop this on us. You know, I'm okay with him telling me that if I cause somebody else to sin, then it'd be better off for me if they tired a rock around my neck threw me in the ocean. Causing somebody else to sin is horrible, isn't it? And I'm okay with him saying that, hey, don't make little ones stumble. But this whole, if one disciple sins against you, you must forgive, no. Mm -mm. That's too hard. And that's, that's how they're reacting. I mean, that's why they said, increase our faith. Did you hear that when they said that? Jesus said this, if the same person sins against you seven times a day and turns back to you seven times and says, I repent, you must forgive. Whew. That kind of take your breath away, won't it? 
But listen, if you're one of the 42 people who actually wants to be a disciple, the 42%, that's what it looks like. It looks like deciding in your heart that Jesus is more important than wealth or any other God that this world might cause us to chase after. And it means that we will forgive. And man, that just feels to me like it's getting right up against the edge of being one of them good old moralism sermons where the preacher tells you to go out and do something. But remember, I began this by reminding you that we have a Savior and it ain't us. So here's what's cool about what Jesus said. I really wanted to call this sermon, let's, let's be seedy. But, you know, not everybody sees the word seedy the same. Some people think I was telling you to be like disreputable and horrible people, right? So I went with seed be seed, which makes no sense. But hopefully in a minute it will make sense. Because here's the thing, guys. There are no instructions for the mustard seed. It gets put in the ground and it becomes a bush. That's what happens. Likewise for us, if we enter into Christ and choose to follow Him and be His disciples, we will be disciples. That's what Jesus is saying. He isn't just saying that that little bit of faith that you have is enough. He's saying faith isn't quantifiable at all. If you have faith, then you're already a seed that is destined to become a certain kind of bush. And the kind of bush you are destined to become is a bush that loves God over everything else, that loves neighbor over everything else. And not only that, is capable of forgiving seven times a day. Not that you will do this if you get yourself a self-help book, read it 20 times and figure out exactly what Kenneth Hagin said about forgiveness. None of that. He's saying this will be the case. Now how do I know this? Because it's in the Greek. And the NRSV covers it up a little bit. It says you must forgive them. But that is not what Jesus said. What Jesus said was in the future tense. He said you will forgive. Which means you might not be able to right now. But listen, the seed becomes a bush. Whatever faith you have has been given to you. And whatever faith you have, you will grow into till you become the bush that God intends you to be. Oh, but listen, that's if you want to be. Because discipleship is a choice. Discipleship is a choice. You can today decide, I'm going to be that Christian that only wants to go to heaven. I'm going to trust Jesus to save me. And, you know, what can I say? We're saved by grace through faith, not by works. Oh, but if you want to be a disciple, dear ones, that's a different ballgame. So I know I made up from some percentage there and I said that there are some Christians who are more interested in dying and going to heaven than they are in living the life Jesus has for us today. And I just know that's true. I'm hoping that doesn't describe any of you. I'm hoping that you are all people who want to literally follow Jesus in this life. Do you know that Jesus said the words eternal life 21 times in the four Gospels. 
And I didn't go through and figure out whether he was repeating and then they were repeating the same story. That's too much work. But 21 times in the Gospels, Jesus is recording and saying the words eternal life. 29 times he said either follow me or the word disciple. And you judge from that. Which is Jesus more interested in? Is the purpose of this life just to hang out and wait till we die to be with Christ? Or can we be with Christ now, following Him every day? Dear ones, that's a want-to decision. But here's the promise of God. It may look hard. You may be discouraged by the thought of it. The idea of forgiving someone seven times for doing the same thing to you seven times in one day may seem horrifying to you. But the promise of God is my grace is sufficient for you. And you will be what I have created you to be. We are being conformed to the image of Christ who on the cross looked down from the cross and forgave His torturers, saying, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. That is a glimpse for us of the bush that we are destined to be. Are you satisfied with waiting to die? Or do you want more? This meal that's before you is one of the ways that Jesus nourishes us for the walk of becoming more. This is how Jesus makes us people who can forgive. By reminding us that His body was broken by those He forgave. And so we break His body again today to remember that He forgave us and that forgiveness is the way of Christ. And dear ones, if you are a seed planted in Christ, then one day forgiveness will be your way as well. That is the promise of God for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.